Thank you, precious Jesus. Why don't we just lift up our hands to him? Come on, let's lift up our hands to him. Hallelujah. Come on, tell him, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are worthy of the praise. You are worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord? Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, I think we ought to take another moment and just give God... Praise straight from our soul, straight from our soul, straight from our soul. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. God is good. He's so good to give us so many blessings, undeserving, yet he is good. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the name of the Lord going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we're going to continue in our series and we're actually finalizing, our concluding our series on blameless tonight and we are of course looking at the matter of, of being preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and I want to, I want to point out a couple of things uh, that are so important. Of course, we have looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I call these verses from 16 to 22, I have called them bullet points. They look like bullet points, just quick little snippets of admonishment from uh, the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica, where he says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to continue on the, on the uh, track that we've been on here in this passage. Of course, we have come to verse 22, which is the culminating uh, admonition. This admonition is abstain from all appearance of evil. This, this command, if you please, from the Apostle Paul is so very important. Because, as we've said before, evil is what causes the problems in our lives. And uh, it is what keeps us from being blameless before the Lord. Evil does that. Adam and Eve were blameless until they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was that disobedience, it was that transgression that, that robbed them of their innocence and rendered them to blame and they no longer were able to say and to be uh, blameless before the Lord so we want to abstain from all appearance of evil that is the goal that is the that is the goal and so so the question is how do you do that and that's what we've tried to cover in this series is how to abstain from all appearance of evil. And these, as I, as I said, bullet points, were ways that the Apostle Paul was teaching us to do that. And so I want to, I want to point out, I want to point out that there is a uh, problem with the fact that many people don't know what evil is. They don't know what is evil, what isn't evil. And in fact, we live in a generation, the Bible describes this generation as a generation that calls evil good. And it calls good evil. And so there is this, there is this 
misunderstanding of what is right and of what is wrong, what is godly and what is ungodly. And so if you're trying to go by your own, uh, your own determination of those things, you're going to come up short and you're going to end up involved in evil things. Not knowing that that is what, in fact, you are involved with. And so I want to take a moment and just go over some of these things in the scriptures uh, that the Bible makes clear are evil things. Uh, one particular evil thing uh, that, that the Bible makes very clear concerning its evil nature is in the area of when Joseph's brothers forsook him, betrayed him, and turned on him. And the Bible, the Bible describes it in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 19. The scripture says, Joseph said unto them, his brethren, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? That's how we have to consider when we are in a position where we may judge somebody. We have to ask the question, am I in the place of God? And of course, the obvious answer is no, we're not in the place of God. So he goes on to say, but as for you, you thought evil against me. Throughout this passage, this story that unfolds in Joseph's life, the word evil emerges over and over and over and over again. When they first developed the thought of what they might think about Joseph, because they didn't have uh, too much of a high estimation for him. And, and the Bible tells us why. One of the reasons why was, there are a couple of reasons why. The very first reason why they didn't like Joseph, the first time he ever crossed up with them, happened when he was 17 years old. The Bible says that when he was 17 years old, he was out, in the shepherd's field with his brothers, the sons of Zilpah and Bilhah. And while he is out there with these sons of the maidservants of Jacob. The Bible says that he brought their evil report unto his father Jacob. It's the first time that he ever crossed with, up with his brothers. And that certainly didn't go over well. Next thing you know, Jacob is making a coat of many colors for Joseph. And they despised Joseph. The Bible says they hated him because Jacob loved him. Sometimes we hate people because God loves them. And Jacob loved Joseph and his brothers hated him for the love he received from Jacob, his father. Then the Bible says that he talked about a dream. And when he told them the dream, the dream sounded a little self-serving. And the Bible says they hated him yet the more. So it was this compounding hate that they had for Joseph. And you have to be very careful. This is why you don't let uh, feelings towards somebody fester within you. Because you don't want hate to get in your heart. When hate gets in your heart... It sets the stage for evil things to be done, evil thoughts to be thought, evil actions to be taken. And so they proceeded to have hate in their heart for him. They had not premeditated anything, but there was hate in their heart. And one day he was out on, a, on an errand from his father, and he went to his brothers, and, and they were not where they were supposed to be. He goes and finds them where they ended up being. They were sent to Shechem. They ended up in Dothan. When he finds them in Dothan, they see him coming a ways off and conspired in that moment. Not before then, but right then. Hate built a platform for evil to do its deed. And they conspired against him, and when Joseph got to them, the plan was completely hatched, and they, and they executed it, and they stopped short of executing him. They sold him into slavery. It was evil. It was evil. It was evil. The first thought was evil. See, if they had abstained from the very appearance of evil, 
If they would have known evil when they saw it, they could have abstained from the evil, and they never would have been guilty of the evil that they did against Joseph. And you know, they, they, I hope that they thanked God every day that Joseph was a forgiving man. Because he had the he said, am I in the place of God? It's a good thing he knew that he wasn't in the place of God because he certainly was in a place of authority and had the powers behind him to execute his brothers. But because he was a forgiving man, because he had abstained from the very appearance of evil, then he was in a position to forgive. And so they had not abstained from the appearance of evil. The appearance of evil for those brothers of Joseph was, was simply the hate that was rising up in them for their brother. Run from it. Flee from it. Leave it behind you. Don't entertain thoughts of bitterness, thoughts of resentment, thoughts of hate, thoughts of, of vindictiveness, envy. Don't entertain those thoughts. Let those die in the name of Jesus. Because what they perpetrated was evil. And it's called evil Throughout the story of Joseph. Read the story of Joseph sometime in the, through the 40, the chapters, the Genesis, the latter part of the book of Genesis through the 40 chapters. And you will read how that the Bible refers to this over and over as evil. And finally, Joseph himself said, you thought evil against me, but God turned it for the good. You look at the matter of Saul pursuing David. Saul pursuing David. This was an evil thing that Saul did. His pursuit of David was an evil thing. The Bible makes it clear that Saul had evil in his heart for David. And this is what this, this resistance of God and this rebellion against God opened his life up to evil spirits that would come and torment him. And God allowed them to come torment him because he had resisted God and rejected God but if he had known the very appearance of evil then he could have abstained from every ever getting involved with it do you know that this man at one point in his reign was so dead set against evil that he made it against the law for witches to practice witchcraft but at the latter part of his reign he himself was consulting a witch to use her witchcraft. When he passed that law that witches were not allowed to practice witchcraft in Israel, he, was, he never would have dreamed that he would find himself one day in a witch's house asking her to conjure up the prophet Samuel. But, but evil knows no limits. Evil takes you farther than you have ever expected to go. Evil will require of you more than you ever expected to pay. Evil will lead you down such a sinister path that you never expected that you would travel. But that's what happens, and this is why the Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. The Bible even says that when the children of Israel came to the promised land and Moses sent in the 12 spies to spy out the land of promise, two men came back with the righteous report, the good report, jo Joshua and Caleb. But the Bible says that 10 spies came back with an evil report. It was an evil report. Now, they didn't even realize they were giving an evil report. They thought they were giving their opinion. But they were giving an evil report. They thought that they were giving their honest assessment. But they didn't realize that they were engaging and entertaining the appearance of evil. Because it was in direct conflict with the promise of God. They didn't understand, evidently. Or maybe they did and they decided to, to think about it otherwise. God didn't send them into the land of promise for their opinion. Or whether the promise could come to pass. God sent them into the land of promise for their assessment of how the children of Israel could go in and take the land. 
It was a simple matter of strategy. It wasn't a matter of, okay, you go in and you tell me whether my promise can be made possible. You go in and tell me whether I'm good enough, God enough, powerful enough, strong enough to do what I said I'm going to do. That wasn't the issue. The issue was you just go in and figure out how you're going to make this happen and how you're going to work it out. And they came back saying, we can't do it. The land eateth up the inhabitants thereof. So they lost confidence in God, and they lost confidence in the promises of God, but they didn't know that's what they were doing. They thought they were losing confidence in themselves. We be as grasshoppers. They are like giants. That's what they said. We're like grasshoppers. They're like giants. So they thought they were losing confidence in themselves. When you lose confidence in your ability to do the things of God that God has promised for your life, it's okay to understand that your flesh can't do it, but don't think God can't do it. Because God can do it, and God will do it, just like he said he would do it. So it's an evil report, and you must abstain. You must abstain from all appearance of evil. When David committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba and proceeded to commit the calculated murder of Uriah, putting him on the front line of the battle, he said, put him where the valiant men are. Put him in the hottest, most difficult part of the battle that he may die. David was so intoxicated with his own lusts of the flesh that he, he, he lost all sense of integrity. And he proceeded to to, to execute one of the worst sins recorded in the Bible from a man who was a man after God's own heart. But he didn't abstain from all appearance of evil. You know what? He wasn't on the battlefield that day. He sent others to do the fighting. He stayed back and didn't go into the battlefield. That was a change for David. That was something different than we had seen in David before. Not interested in doing the work of the Lord as far as fighting his battles. And then he proceeded to observe Bathsheba. He should have walked away and abstained from the very appearance of evil. But that's just it. Evil doesn't always come with fangs bearing. Evil doesn't always come hissing like a serpent. Evil doesn't always come with the roar of a lion or the, or the boast of Goliath. Evil can come as beautiful Bathsheba. And so before long, David, what started as a, in his mind, a simple appearance that he found entertaining, it ended up bringing out some of the worst things that anybody in the Bible ever did. And he ended up conspiring and, and actually arranging the murder of Uriah the Hittite. One of the most terrible things recorded in the scriptures. And he, and he still wasn't getting it. And so the Lord spoke to the prophet Nathan and said, Go tell David that he better repent. Because I'm angry with him. He has done evil. So Nathan, the prophet, has this unenviable task of going to King David. Let me, let me rephrase this. Or restate it. King Old Testament king. I'm not talking about figurehead king. I'm talking about cut off your head king. King David. And Nathan the prophet has to go into King David's court and point his finger in his face and tell him, Thou art the man. And the way that he did it was that he, he told a parable of a man who had one lamb. Compared to another man who had many sheep. And this rich man had many sheep and there was a poor man who had one lamb. And he said that this rich man who had many sheep reached over into the poor man's sheepfold and took the one lamb that he had and, and took it unto himself and killed the man that had the one lamb. And Nathan the prophet shared this with David and the story so enraged David. David said, you tell me who has done this 
and I'll see to it that they pay for this injustice. And Nathan said, go look in the mirror. You're the one. Thou art the man. You're the guy who did it. And it took David seeing it from a different perspective. He couldn't see it in himself. As long as he was blinded by his own lusts, he could not see the evil. So this, is the, this, ladies and gentlemen, is why it's challenging for people to abstain from all appearance of evil. Because evil appears and they don't know that's what it is. So they go stumbling, bumbling, and mumbling into evil, not realizing that evil is all around them. Evil is intoxicating them. Evil is swallowing them up. Evil is pulling them into its snare. And they don't realize because they have satisfied the lusts of their own flesh. And they don't see it until they are able to stand on the outside of someone else's circumstances and look in on it. Then they see the injustice. Then they see the sin. And many times that's why people who are involved in a certain sin become some of the harshest judges of others in the same sin. It's unbelievable. Some of the most harsh critics of, of others in sin are, are those who are deeply engaged in the same sin. And many times that happens. And, uh, and if they don't have an honest heart before God, and they won't change their ways. But this is why the preaching of the word is so important. And this is why the prophecy of Nathan was so important. Because the word of God has a way of allowing us to see things from the right perspective that can prick our heart and change our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That happened on the day of Pentecost. When Peter was preaching the gospel, he finally said, You have taken this same Jesus, whom you have crucified. You crucified him. Now, they thought that maybe the Romans were the ones that did the crucifying because they're the ones that put in the nails and they're the ones that drove in the spear and they're the ones that laid the crown of thorns on his head. But he said, No, no, no. You crucified him. By wicked hands, you have crucified him and slain him. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. That's what the preaching of the Word of God will do. The preaching of the Word of God will prick your heart. The preaching of the Word of God will come to you and let you see evil for what it is. I learned a long time ago just to preach the Word. Just to preach the Word and do what the Spirit says because somebody needs to hear what is being said. And you, may, and, and you, don't need to, you don't need to single people out when you're preaching. Because the Lord will do that. You just preach what the Lord has given you to preach. And the Spirit of the Lord will do the rest. The Spirit of the Lord will do the rest. And so, so the preaching of the Word of God allows us to see evil for what it is. And will cause us to recognize, hey, wait a minute. I'm more spiritually in tune than I was. I'm, I'm, I'm closer to God than I used to be. I'm, I'm more in tune with the word of God than I was. And so I see evil more clearly. And I, I recognize and I call this or that out as evil. That's evil. And what do we do when we see it? We don't turn the music up. What do we do when we see it? We, we abstain. Nope, not doing that. See, many people would like to turn this, this statement, abstain from all appearance of evil. Many people would like to turn that into some kind of legalism. Many people would like to, even hearing me talk about it tonight, that somehow I'm engaging in legalism or I'm engaging in, in some kind of, of heavy-handedness by saying abstain from all appearance of evil. Are you kidding me? It's one of the most merciful messages in the Bible. What kind of a God just, just wants his people to stumble blindly into evil? No, sir. No, ma'am. That's not the kind of God you serve. You serve a God who stands up and says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And I'll tell you, it's really hard to itemize every form, shape, and presentation and appearance of evil in 2016. 
I can't get up here and, and, and have a list that will indicate every single possible appearance of evil. It, that list, you'd have to scoot over and make room for it on your row. You'd have to scooch in. You have to scooch into the middle and I'd have to make more room. The whole scroll, there's just too many possibilities. There are too many apps. There are too many mobile uploads. There are too many social media posts. There are too many options. It's everywhere. You need spiritual discernment. You need Holy Ghost conviction. You need a heart that's right with God. You need to be able to hear the Lord say, abstain, move away, go, flee, run, pray. Amen. Amen. And so, so we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to go through these and explain. We talked about each of them in depth. But I want to go through each of them again. And I want to explain how they help you abstain from all appearance of evil. Rejoicing evermore helps you abstain from all appearance of evil and preserves you blameless. Because, as I said in the beginning of this series, it is a calm wellness of your soul. It is a calm wellness of your soul. The great example of this in the scriptures is the Shunammite woman whose life is anything but well. The promised son that God had given her lay dead in the prophet's chamber back home. She is not doing okay. You know, you ask somebody, how are you? How you doing? And you're expecting the reply to be brief. Oh, I'm good. How you doing? Good. Keep on moving. And then, and then it catches you off guard when you say, how you doing? And they say, you want me to be honest with you? And you're thinking, no, actually I don't. I just want you to tell me you're doing good and we'll both keep moving. But. But I have a feeling you're about to be honest with me. That's what this woman could have done. Because Elisha said, the servant of Elisha said, how's everything going? And she said, it is well. But your, your, but your son is dead in the prophet's chamber. It's still well. But, but your life is turned upside down. It's still well. It is well, it is well. We sing the song, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. So rejoicing evermore is you and I saying it is well to every circumstance we face. Now that doesn't mean that these circumstances do not have in them things that need addressed. Things that need adjusted. Problems that need solved. But, but here's the overriding faith for all circumstances. It is well with my soul. And I am not going to lose out with God over this. And I am not going to turn my back on God over this. And I'm not going to start hating my neighbor over this. And I'm not going to start becoming bitter over this. And I'm not, I'm just not, this is not how the story ends. It is well. And the, 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 the apostle was so adamant about rejoicing and having this calm wellness and he is an authority on the subject because of all that he went through we read about the shipwreck in Acts chapter 27 he was in three shipwrecks my Lord have mercy this man went through so many problems and he records them throughout the scriptures of the problems that he went through and he looks at us and tells us Rejoice in the Lord always. He did not say rejoice in the Lord every now and then. Rejoice in the Lord because that's pretty good. You should do it here and there. No, no, no. Rejoice in the Lord always. When you're beaten by the Jews, rejoice in the Lord. When you're beaten by the Romans, rejoice in the Lord. When you're beaten with rods, rejoice in the Lord. When you're whipped with, with chains, rejoice in the Lord. When you, are, when you are shipwrecked three nights, spending a day and the night in the deep, rejoice in the Lord. When you're snake bit, rejoice in the Lord. My God, have mercy. When they... 
Tradition tells us that when they martyred Paul and, and he was to go to the, to the uh, 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 chopping block, the, the, the history records that he ran. This comes from his deep belief that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Rejoice evermore, rejoice evermore, rejoice evermore. You know how that helps you abstain from all appearance of evil? Because when evil comes creeping up in the form of unforgiveness, oh, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. When evil comes creeping up in the form of bitterness and resentment, oh, no, 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 <laughs> nice try, but it is well. It's well with my soul. When, when evil comes creeping up with Jacob loves Joseph more than he loves you, and that's not fair, and that's not right, and Joseph is annoying anyway with all them dreams. No, 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 no. no. It's well. It's good. I'm good. I'm, good. I'm not going to become envious of Joseph. I'm not going to become jealous of Joseph. I'm going to let Joseph have what God has given him. Hey, let folks have what God gave them. If you, take, if you just take a moment and, and, stop, and stop being envious of what other people have and just pause for just a quick second and realize what all God has done for you. I mean, you're in this building right now. You're in this building. And you and I both know that God didn't have to have mercy on you and bring you to this place. But God has brought you by his mercy to this point in your life. And you're here eager to understand more of the word of God. Got a reason to rejoice. It is well. It is well with my soul. So no. No, I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to embrace the appearance of evil. Something that conflicts with the promise of God in my life, something that conflicts with the direction of God for my life, I'm not going to embrace it because why embrace it when, when, I'm, when I'm well? When it is well. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. This helps you abstain from all appearance of evil. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything. Ha! Everything to God in prayer. You know, they, we used to sing the old song, leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. When you try to carry around that grudge that you're trying not to hold, but, but you're holding it. When you're trying to carry around that hurt feeling, when you're trying to carry around the offense, when you're trying to carry around a lust of your flesh that you, that you don't have crucified in your spirit, when you're trying to carry these things around, ladies and gentlemen, you are embracing the appearance of evil. You, through prayer, you crucify these things. How do I crucify these things? Because I get done praying, I still feel it. You crucify it by verbalizing its death. You verbalize its death. I refuse in the name of Jesus to carry around this ungodly feeling in my heart any longer. It is dead in the name of Jesus. It is dead in the name of Jesus. Walk away from it. And, and you say, I don't think I can't ask God, Lord, help me. You do this through prayer. You do this through prayer. But I did pray. Pray without ceasing. Well, I, I prayed yesterday and I prayed the day before. Then pray again today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. In the morning, in the noontime, in the evening. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. Pray without ceasing. Well, how am I supposed to know when I should stop? Hello. Don't stop. Don't stop. You keep on praying without ceasing. Are you, do you have a pulse? Pray. 
pray without ceasing, without stopping, without let up. Because listen, if you'll submit yourself, therefore, to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. You know, we don't talk a lot about that. We don't talk a lot. We talk a lot about overcoming the enemy. We talk a lot about uh, outlasting him. We talk a lot about uh, coping, dealing, managing. I'm telling you, the scripture teaches us that if we'll submit to God and resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. Pray. Prayer does this. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This is very similar to rejoicing. And it's very important that we get it. That we get into the habit of thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Take a little bit and think about what you're thanking him for. If you'll you'll remain thankful in everything, then evil won't have a way to get to your spirit, to attract your eye. Be thankful. Be thankful for the money you have and you won't be so tempted to steal. Somebody said, why don't we steal? Our our resolve against stealing comes from an attitude of thanksgiving to God and understanding why steal when He will provide. Why? There's no need to. He will provide. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. No need to steal. No need to steal. Be thankful for the provision that you have. And if God hasn't provided it, you don't need it. And if you're going to get stuff that God didn't provide, you're going to have headaches. You know, if we had a garage sale of everything God didn't give us, we could buy 30 more acres in Montgomery. In everything, give thanks. Give thanks for your spouse. Give thanks for your job. Give thanks for your brother and your sister. How many more times do we need a reminder that life is a vapor? It's, 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 we just simply don't know if everybody here right now will be back here Sunday, if they'll be living on this earth by Sunday. We just don't know. You know not what tomorrow holds. So thank God for the people in this room right now. When you allow yourself, when you allow yourself to think thoughts Against your brother and your sister, you are opening the door to evil in your life. And you're embracing the very appearance of evil. And it will fester and it will grow into something. The Bible calls it a root of bitterness. It's a root. And it's, you know, roots start with a seed. They start with a seed. It starts with, it could be a word, it could be a deed. It could be something really unfair. I mean, you could be, in your flesh, justified. But you have to choose. You're either justified to hold your grudge or you're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't be justified by both. You're either justified to feel the way you do and to, 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 to hold everybody to account for what they've done wrong to you or you're justified by the blood of Jesus. And when he forgave you, you forgave them. It's that simple. But when we stop and we give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you know, I have absolutely nothing to complain about. Nothing. Do you realize how fallen this earth is? How cursed this earth is? How, how, how much this earth is dilapidating and dying before our very eyes? And yet, the earth continues to yield fruit. That's the mercy of God. I mean, think about it. You can still put seed in the soil of this fallen, cursed, bound-to-die earth. And it will produce vegetation and fruit that your body so desperately needs. In this cursed earth, we still have clean oxygen that we can breathe. 
God has been good to us. He doesn't have to do any of that. But God has been good to us. Oh, hallelujah. I, I've had people tell me before, uh, Pastor, I was praying for you such and such a time. You, God really moved, put you on my heart, and I've been praying for you. I, so many times when somebody tells me that, I can remember the moment that they're talking about. And it was a moment where I needed God to intervene. I needed God to move. And God's moving on somebody's heart to pray an intercessory prayer. God is good to us. I don't deserve any of his blessings. I don't deserve not one, not one of the blessings of God do I deserve. None. None. I am here purely and simply by the grace of Almighty God. It's the only reason. To be able to open up this Bible and to have some measure of understanding, some, just, just, just enough to be able to fight the devil, go to heaven, help somebody along the way, that's the mercy of God. Oh, hallelujah. So in everything, give thanks. You've got a lot to be thankful for. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got a lot to be thankful for. You've got a lot to be thankful for. You know, the elders used to talk about counting our blessings. They said, count your blessings. And you know what they said? They said, name them one by one. When was the last time you did that? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. If you don't think you have a reason to be thankful, you should try that. Count your blessings and you start naming them. Start alphabetically. Air conditioning. Hallelujah. Name them one by one. Hallelujah. And listen, you'll be, by the time you get to CDEF, you'll be shouting and talking in tongues and weeping and asking God to forgive you for being ungrateful and unthankful. Not to mention that when you start to give him thanks, you enter into his gates. Now you might listen, you might be standing at the gates of hell, but when you start giving God thanks, you enter into his gates. That's how you enter with thanksgiving. It's the key to his gates. It's the key to his power. It's the key to his presence. Can I preach tonight? It's the key to his miracles. It's the key to his peace of mind. Thanksgiving. That's how you get there. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 See, when you're in a spirit of thanksgiving, when your mind is in a framework of thanking God and evil comes up around you, you can abstain from it. I don't need that because I'm thankful for what the Lord has done for me. I'm not over here pouting, thinking that I'm missing out. Listen, you're not missing out. You've been called out. God brought you out. Oh, God. Don't, don't, don't fall into the trap of looking around this world and thinking that everybody in this world is on some high that you're being deprived of because you got to walk with God. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many walk therein, but narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting, and few there be that find it. And listen, you might not like everybody that found it. You go to the narrow way, you're, you're like, oh yes, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to go where God leads me to go. And you get there and you look over and you're like, oh, are you kidding me? He's here too? Oh. Ah, oh, come on. You better walk with 
Sometimes walking with God means walking with your brother and your sister, your neighbor, and you better learn to love them or you can't begin to love him. If you go to God and say, Lord, I love you, it's them I can't stand. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say, that's a lie. You can't love me whom you have not seen and not love them who you see every day and every week. Oh, but pastor, I don't think I can. Then you better pray without ceasing until you get a love of God in your heart. For your neighbor, your brother, your sister. Hallelujah. This is how we abstain. From all appearance of evil. We rejoice. We rejoice in all things. We count it all joy. You know, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that has convicted me since I was a little kid. It's convicted me since I was a little kid. And I don't always live up to it. I'll be honest with you. I try to, oh God help me in Jesus name, live up to this scripture. But it convicts me every time I read it. Sometimes I'll be reading up to it and I'll get to it. Oh, I'll just skip over that one and keep on going. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Oh, y'all pardon me. I got to get to the altar real quick. Do all things without murmuring, without disputing. Rejoice evermore. In everything, give thanks. Pray without ceasing. Quench not the spirit. I'm going to tell you. This is one of the most important parts. When the Spirit moves on you, don't you quench it. And listen, the Spirit will move on you in in unique ways. When the Spirit of the Lord says, no, that's wrong, don't do it. Don't you quench that. When the Spirit of the Lord moves on your heart, no, you don't need to be here. You need to go. Don't quench that. When the Spirit of the Lord convicts your heart and, and you're in the middle of something and you're not recognizing it as evil, but the Holy Ghost quickens your understanding to understand you are engaging in and entertaining the appearance of evil, this is a sinister and slippery slope you're on. You better listen to the Spirit. Don't quench it. Don't quench it. And when you come to church and you're in the service and the Spirit of the Lord moves and the preaching of the word of God goes forth and, and, and you feel like worshiping, don't quench it. Don't quench. This is one thing about Pentecostals and, and it should be about all Christians and I'm not trying to pick on various denominations. I'm just simply saying one of the reasons I'm grateful to be an apostolic Pentecostal is that we encourage the free flow of the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because something happens in those environments. There are experiences that take place. Don't underestimate the power of an experience with God. How many can remember some of the experiences you had with God? I'm talking about when you couldn't stop crying. I'm talking about when you couldn't stop speaking in tongues. I'm talking about when you couldn't stop worshiping. I'm talking about when you were doubled over your pew, when you didn't know who was standing around you, when you didn't remember you. Sometimes you don't even remember what was said that made it happen. You just know that the Holy Ghost moved on you. Don't quench it. Don't quench it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you are missing out. You are missing out on the blessing of God for your life. If you quench the spirit as he tries to move upon you. Hallelujah. Sometimes it'll make you want to laugh when you should be crying. And cry when you should be laughing. Hallelujah. It is such an arrest of our human emotion. That we don't even know how to react to it. And we're crying. I'm just so happy. Because we're not in control. The spirit is moving. Don't quench the spirit. I'm telling you, you can come out of those kinds of sessions and something will be burned out of your spirit. You can come out of those kinds of, of experiences with God and there can be a craving burned out of your spirit. You craved it for 15, 20, 25 years and it's gone. You can 
come out of those kinds of experiences and an attitude that you couldn't shake, an attitude that was trying to drag you into hell, an attitude that was going to give you problems at the judgment seat of Christ. In those experiences, those attitudes can be vanquished by the love of God. Don't quench it. Don't quench it. Don't quench the spirit. This, see, this, by not quenching the spirit, we are preparing ourselves to abstain from all appearance of evil. Woo, hallelujah. Your senses are sharpened spiritually. Hallelujah. You know, you know, you have, sometimes you have cat-like reflexes. You're not always. But sometimes, it depends on what it is. If somebody said, snake, oh, you'd have cat-like reflexes. You would jump, leap over a troop, leap over a wall, run through a troop. Do the uh, Charleston. You would, you, would, you, would, you would get your dancing shoes on. That's natural. But spiritually, you can develop reflexes in the spirit where you don't even have to think. It's just there. It's automatic. You just know. No, I don't watch that. No, I don't go there. No, I don't do that. No, I don't think that way about my sister my brother. No, I don't hold that kind of a grudge. No, 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 no. And yes, I will. Yes, I will pray. Yes, I will love. Yes, I will forgive. No, it's no problem. You're my brother. You're my sister. Take me by the hand. That's what the Spirit will do. Here's an important one. Despise not prophesying. We're learning how to abstain from all appearance of evil. Despise not prophesying. Just one of the most key things. And I'm, just, I'm recapping everything that we've learned. But I want to do so in the context of how each of them help us to abstain from all appearance of evil. One of your best friends is your preacher. And I'm not saying that because I'm your preacher. I'm saying that because that's the word of the Lord. You know, I, 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 this is true for a lot of pastors. I can say it for me. I take this so serious. This word of God. This word of life. I want to preach this until I die. I want to teach this until I die. I don't know where it's going. I don't know who all's getting it. I don't, I don't know. All I know is, is God called me to preach, and I know that the power of the Word of God can deliver anybody from anything. It can. I've just witnessed it too much to be convinced otherwise. I'm sorry. Now, I have seen people harden their hearts. I've seen that. I've also seen people harden their hearts, and then their hearts soften. And, and, and so, prophesyings, when they go forth, receive them, embrace them, because they're not, they're not going out haphazardly. They've been prayed over. They've been interceded about. They have been communed with concerning the things of God. And, and there is a, there's a reason why things are preached. It's because God is reaching for somebody's soul. And, 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 and the, the moment that you think, oh, I hope so-and-so heard that. That's your cue that it was for you. That first moment you think, oh boy, I hoped. Make sure they're here tonight. <laughs> they needed that. If anybody needed, that's your cue. It was for you. It's always for you. It's always for me. Every word that's preached, never, never is it not for me. And never is it not for you. This word is so alive. This word is so palpable, so powerful. It is, it is the, the Bible says that it is spirit and it is life. 
That's why you can read the same story in the Bible that you've heard six Sunday school teachers teach, 18 preachers preach, heard it at 18 different vacation Bible schools, and, and went to Bible college and heard it there too, and you preached it, taught it, believed it, sang about it, and you can open it up tonight and see something eternally life-changing. Because it's alive. It's alive. It's a quickening power. So don't despise it. And certainly don't despise it when it crosses up with you. Is that how this works? That, that, that I just, I just uh, read the word until I uh, disagree. And then it no longer applies. I saw in a fitness center at a hotel recently that I was staying in. I saw a fitness center. They had posted guidelines. And at the bottom, it said, at first sign of discomfort, discontinue use. And I thought, you know, that's the way we treat the word of God sometimes. <laughs> at first sign of discomfort, discontinue use. Well, I know what they're suggesting. They don't want anybody to hurt themselves or injure themselves. But if I took that literally, I wouldn't get anything accomplished. And, and if, you, if you approach the word of God that way, don't just, don't just look to this word for comfort. Look to it for correction. Don't just ask your preacher to comfort you, but ask him to correct you. Preach to me, preacher. Doesn't mean get me excited. It means get me to heaven. Help me, help me make it to heaven. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. So despise not prophesying. You know, David repented of his sin, the one we talked about. He repented of his sin. He turned from his wicked ways. He buried himself in sackcloth and ashes, and a baby died as a result of his sin. And David had problems in his house even beyond that. Evil rose up within his own house as a result of his sin. But I'm thankful today that when Nathan the prophet said, you're the man, that David did not despise the prophecy. And it helped him to abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh, hallelujah. You know, he was really at a crossroads. He had already done something so horrible. But he was at a crossroads. In that, he could have descended into an absolute tyrannic, tyrannical spiral. He could, have gone on a, he could have gone on a killing spree as a king. So many had done that before. So many kings had, had, had lost their way being drunk on, on power. But he didn't despise the prophecy. Even though it conflicted with him, humbled him, made him feel embarrassed. Made him feel like a, like a fool for what he had done. It was the word of God. And he needed to hear it. Verse 21, prove all things. Discern them. Don't just accept everything. Can you just, can you just simply get rid of the statement, but everybody's doing it? Can we just erase that from anything we ever say ever again to justify anything? But everybody's doing it. You prove all things. You discern what is the will of God? You discern whether it's holy or unholy. You discern whether it is right or it is wrong. And do it honestly. Don't cater to the lusts of your flesh, the lusts of your eyes, or to the pride of life. But, but do things that please the Lord. So prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. We talked about this last week. Cling to the old rugged cross. Hold fast to that good news, to that good message, to that gospel. That gospel that saves to the uttermost. That gospel that delivers the bound from their bondage. Hallelujah. That gospel that raises the guilty from their fall. Hallelujah. Hold fast to it. Hold fast to the blood of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to the love of Almighty God. 
Hold fast to the message, Jesus saves. Hold fast to the fact that he brought us out and makes us clean and makes us holy and sets us apart from the world we came out of. Listen, we didn't come out of this world just to continue being like the world. We came out of this world because this world is on a trajectory that will lead them into destruction. We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Hold fast. To that delivering power of God. Hallelujah. It is a real delivering power. This isn't emotion. This isn't just, this isn't just fancy words and good ideas and just another church group. This is real power. It's not just mental power. It's not just positive mental attitude. It's real heavenly Holy Ghost power. Hallelujah. And you got to hold on to that. You have to hold on to that, which is good. And these are things that will help you abstain from all appearance of evil. Evil is so tricky, so subtle. Do you know the serpent in the garden of eden if i were to go around this room and take a poll who was the serpent you know genesis chapter 3 doesn't tell us who the serpent was it just doesn't say who it was but i mean you know who it was if i were to go around the room and say okay who's the serpent i think it'd be unanimous the serpent was the devil the devil's the serpent the serpent's the devil but do you know genesis chapter 3 does not say that the serpent is the devil nor does chapter 4 5 6 or 7 the rest of the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Kings, Psalms, Proverbs, Ezra, Esther, Nehemiah, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, none of the minor prophets, none of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the general epistles, the Pauline epistles, the general epistles, the book of Jude. It's not until Revelation chapter 10, 12, that we discover that that old serpent is called the devil. So we encounter him three chapters into the Bible, but we don't discover his identity until 10 chapters before the Bible concludes. That old serpent, which is called the devil. So... The reason that God didn't make such a big, big issue of the, the serpent is the devil, the devil is a serpent, the serpent is the devil, the devil is a serpent, is because he knows us. And he knows that if that's how we looked at it, that's how it always would be. That would be how he would always approach us. And that's the only way we would recognize him. The devil is a snake and the snake is the devil. But the fact is, sometimes the devil comes at us like a lion. Sometimes he comes at us like a bear. Sometimes he comes at us like Delilah. Sometimes he comes at us like Bathsheba. Sometimes he comes in a spirit form and you can't see him, smell him, feel him, hear him. He's just there. And you've got to know evil when it appears so that you can abstain from it and you can help your family abstain from it. And by practicing these principles of rejoicing evermore, Praying without ceasing, in everything giving thanks, quenching not the spirit, despising not prophesyings, proving all things, holding fast that which is good, you can abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace will sanctify you completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we stand to our feet right now and lift up our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise Him in this house. Come on, let's praise Him in this house. Let's thank Him for the victory. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, in the name of Jesus. You know, I, listen, Paul said, when I try to do good, evil is present with me. When I want to do what's right, evil is present with me. I'm trying to serve God, but evil, evil 
is nearby. I do that that I don't want to do, and what I do want to do, I end up not doing. So you got to take this serious. Evil can appear in many different forms, and you and I have to abstain from it. And I want us to lift our hands to God right now and say, God, I need you to help me abstain from the very appearance of evil. Hallelujah. I don't want to be intimidated by it. I don't want to be scared of it. I don't want, to, I don't want to, to feel like it has some kind of a power over me because you have given me power. But I don't want to engage in bringing it into my life. I don't want it in my family. I don't want it in my home. I don't want it in my mind. I don't want it in my body. I don't want it in my relationships. I don't want evil anywhere near me. Come on, in the name of Jesus. It's too destructive. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. That's it. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it. Let's give God praise right now. Can we just pray to him right now in this building? Come on, can we lift him up in this building? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you've got something in your spirit to lay down, why don't you go ahead and lay it down tonight? Why don't you go ahead and give it to God tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. All across this building, I want us just to take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Take everything that we've been carrying on our shoulders and let's leave it at the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on, all across this building, let's do it right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everything that I've been carrying, I give it to you, Lord. I give it to you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. I trust in you. Oh. Healing is here. Because healing.